Amen. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you, worship team. That was that was fantastic. Um, anyone here for the first time tonight? I know we have our student-free zone. Hi, welcome, welcome. Um, there's a few old faces and familiar faces. Good to see you again. Um, so before I start, just a special word of praise to my wife, who has managed to remain married to me for 23 years today. So, um, well, Brian and Pamia, I know we, we like babies compared to them and Bill and Susie, but yeah, 23 years of mostly good marriage, mostly amazing. Um, I was a little worried when I asked Kath to, you know, just to bless me with some part of me this year that she had really loved. And there was an awkwardly long pause. Um, and then funny enough, when the kids asked her about what about me irritated her, she came up with stuff really quickly. Um, so I guess, <laughs> but the blessing was more important than the irritation. Um, so, goodness, it's the middle of December, um, and next week is the week before Christmas. It's my Christmas message. It's crazy. And it's been such a crazy year. Um, I know um, a lot of us may be traveling. We may be even smaller in the next week or two, but um, do come next week, please, if you're in town. Um, We've been, we've been working through this series on living water, and I think maybe it's coming to an end. Maybe. Maybe. Although it's going to continue all the time. And, I, and I'll check. If Olivia can recite John 4 for us perfectly, then I might move on. But um, we... <laughs> I am going to read it again today. Um, yeah, this, 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 this gift of God that Jesus is, and, and that we celebrate it at Christmas and at Easter more than any other time of the year, um, I, I, I just, I, I feel him bringing, bringing things to a head to um, some of the promises that, that, that we've had over this church this year have been amazing. And obviously this year has been amazing for the wrong reasons. It's been a challenging year. And we've had some really crazy promises. Um, and I want, to, I want to talk about some of those um, the week after Christmas as well. So to come, come the next few weeks, just um, ready to press into this, this gift of God and see what he has for you. And let's see what he has for us. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited uh, for these next few weeks. And um, I, I sat down to prepare this sermon and, and he kept giving me things for next week, which is not the first time he's done this, but it's really frustrating. So like my next two sermons are worked out, and that's great, because next Sunday I can, I can rest, um, and next weekend. But um, I woke up this morning, and my first words were, Lord, I still need a sermon. Um, I know, you should be worried. And, <laughs> um, and he said, speak from your heart. Um, so I said, fine. So I went to my computer, and I wrote down Living Water, and it's great when you can write down the title of your sermon, and then you pray as you're writing, and you have this focus. But of course, I had nothing, so I just started to write. 
um, and to listen to the Spirit and, and, to, and to, I guess, seek what I felt He wanted us to say. And so um, I don't think I'm going to say anything new tonight, but I, I'm going I'm to draw together some of the threads of the sermons, at least some of the sermons that we've had in this series. And I, and I think these are the things that the Lord is wanting to emphasize. And so if you've got these and you've got them down, then great. Um, but maybe there's a few of these that, that we are still, um, we're still trying to capture. So um, let's call, we'll call the sermon The Gift of God Part 1. Okay, setting up for next week. Um, we've, we have spent a lot of time in John 4. We're going to spend a little bit more time there today. Um, a few weeks ago when I preached, I, I, I said quite strangely, because the scripture, scripture seems to be really powerful for a lot of people, that it, it used to mean very little to me, and I didn't know why. Um, but over the last four or five months, I just, I've been going to it over and over and over again, and it's, it's, it's like an oasis of um, sitting and, 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 and meeting God. In John 4.10, Jesus answered and said, to the Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And I, and I really believe tonight that there are, there's, there's some people still in the room who, who, who need this, who need the reality of this. During worship, I, I, I sense the Father, I sense the Father's w weeping for his children that haven't yet tasted of this life that he came to give. Life, living water, Jesus and his spirit flowing through us. And if you, if you feel that, I don't care if you listen to a word else I say, talk to the Father about it. Tell him that you want to experience his life. Now, I've said a few times um, that, again, forgive me, I know I'm going over stuff here, but I just think some of us still haven't quite got this, myself included. Um, we are so used to, in church, being told that we have to get things right before we can encounter God. Okay, and, and again, nothing I say tonight gets you, gets you out of you know, the fact that sin is bad and repentance is good, and I'm going to talk about that. Okay, but it's a lie to suggest that we have to be right before God will encounter us. And the most important thing for me from the story, this offer of living water, this declaration of Jesus' status as the Messiah to this woman is given before she repents. He uses the prophetic, he uses the spirit to know this woman, that she would know that he is the Messiah. He tells her about her life. And he doesn't reject her because she's in sin. But I don't doubt that repentance followed because she meets the Messiah and she realizes that she's left. And three weeks ago, I talked about repentance and the power of repentance and the fact that repentance isn't supposed to be an obligation. Repentance, like for the Samaritan woman, it can be a response to love, that we encounter his love first. That repentance should be a delight to us. A delight. Yeah, Larry. Yeah, a delight. And I talked about, I, I talked about strongholds, 
talk about these parts of our lives that if we allow them to be locked in sin, or, and even maybe it's not even something that we've done, but things that have been done to us, that there, where, where there's a lack of repentance, the, the enemy is able to build strongholds. He's able to gain territory in our lives. Um, and that's not what Jesus wants. And repentance, repentance strips out the devil's right to our lives. Strips out that legal right. And once that legal right is stripped, it gives the Holy Spirit the right to build his strongholds, to build his foundations for holiness and for his kingdom and for this living water to flow. So, so a reminder, and I don't know how many of you have done this since I preached, but don't be scared to repent with each other. I, I, I do strongly advise repent with people that you know and trust. Don't be telling strangers your secrets necessarily. But find brothers and sisters that you're close to, that you can trust, and repent. Matt and I will meet occasionally to pray, and, the, and repentance comes up. And it's hugely powerful. It's most powerful with my wife and with my children. I find myself repenting to them far too often, I guess. <laughs> but it's powerful. And it doesn't make human sense, but it makes godly sense, guys. So be quick to repent. Um, and the, the, the thing about repentance is that it, sh it shows us that, or it shows God that we are teachable. That we're willing to say, Lord, we get things wrong, but we want to know you more. Will you teach us? Will you show us? Will you show us where we get things wrong? Because we don't want anything to stand in the way of knowing you. We don't want anything to stand in the way of your living water flowing through us. And there are a few things in, in, in life that we can promise. We can promise eternal life. We can promise that Jesus loves us. And I, and I can promise you that if you repent, that you will know Jesus more. It's an equation of the kingdom and it will happen. It is true. I trust him to do that. And um, you know, in, my, in my dad's church in England, when we started to encounter the power of repentance, my dad, and this kind of sounds a little bit religious, but it wasn't the intention, but he actually made it compulsory for all leaders in, in the church to get prayer once a month. They had to go before their brothers and sisters and have a completely open space for the Holy Spirit to speak. And for people who didn't really like it, it became something that was problematic. But for those who celebrated a heart that was willing to learn from the Lord, it became, this, again, this oasis of just being in the Holy Spirit's presence and seeing relationships deepen with each other as much as with God. And sometimes, I'm going to talk about some things that may seem a little crazy, maybe out there, um, but I don't want to overcomplicate this. You know, this, this can be really, um, this can be really simple, and the simple days, simple moments of our lives. Um, you know, like many of you in the room are teachers or um, social workers, or frankly, I don't think it matters what you do. If you've been alive this year, you're tired right now. And I know I'm particularly tired when I start forgetting people's names. Um, Tyler came to talk to me at the end of the service last week, and he had a cup with a T on it, and I thought, that's funny, his name's Dresbach. What does the T stand for? <laughs> It took me a moment. <laughs> Tyler. 
names or the first things that go. I don't think it's dementia, but um, I think it's just tiredness. Um, but my wife is coming to the end of her semester. She's still got exams, and, and Grace is getting used to being back at home after being at you know Taylor and all the change, and now she's back home, and friends have left, and you know drama, and in a nice sort of way, and um, and. I was going somewhere with Joseph yesterday, and he said something that really irritated me, and I just, nah, just, I just let rip a little bit at him. And, it, and, yeah, and it's like, all these people around me that are being so emotional, and I just can't take it anymore. And the last thing I need is you, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit says, you know, it's very funny for somebody who's accusing other people of being emotional. You're being very emotional right now. <laughs> I was like, dang it. It took me a moment. <laughs> But I repented to my son and to God. And, you know, it's in those moments, the, like the living water feels a little bit like a trickle, doesn't it? It's like, what the heck was that? That was really pathetic. I'm just tired, for goodness sake. Um, and then the Lord just really gently said, you know, you know what happens every time that you're tired and you come to the end of the semester, that you start doing, not bad things, but you just start, stop doing sensible things. Like, you just... You spend too much time watching TV, and you don't pray enough, or you, don't, you, know, just, you just don't find me. You start going to comfort in the wrong places, and you know that's stupid, so why do you do it? Um, I don't know why I do it, because I'm stupid, but um, yeah, even I will admit that occasionally, Matt. Um, but he forgives, and he draws me back into life, and that water can start to flow again. Water can start to flow again. Um, I don't want us to ever be scared. And I know Jesus doesn't want us to ever be scared of pursuing him and seeking him. And just to emphasize again about the Samaritan woman and not being saved, not repenting first, I do believe Jesus is saying to us that there are still some of us that we're scared to seek him that we have to get things right. And he's saying we don't. Um, and we don't have to become, in a religious way, we don't have to become obsessed with sin. Yeah, that's, a, that's the kind of religious side of the coin. We can either ignore sin or we can become obsessed with it. And it's good to repent of, of sin when, when it's exposed. But what Jesus calls us to is to pursue him and to encounter him. And he will, he will more than happily point out when there are things in our lives that need to be sorted out. We don't have to obsess about it. Let him be in charge. I, I, lo I love the way that Jesus meets people in Scripture. He just he meets them in the ordinary and sometimes in the bad. You know, he meets a Samaritan woman at noon. And she's getting water at noon because she's rejected, because she's an outcast. And Jesus chooses to meet her then and there, doing a normal job, but that displayed the fact that she was an outcast. He meets Simon and Andrew while they are fishing. He meets the woman caught in adultery just after she's been caught in adultery. And he gives her grace and calls her to sin no more. He meets Saul when he's going to persecute Christians, the terror of the church. Jesus encounters him 
Jesus will act when he will act. He's not scared of our sin. He's not scared of our brokenness. And this gift of God, this gift of his living water, he is here. That's the promise that's been made to us repeatedly over these few months. He is here. He's imminent. Let's keep pressing in for him. Let's press on. Let's keep seeking him. Because if, um, if one thing matters more than anything else, it's whether we will just say yes. Okay? It's not the level of your sin. It's not the level of this or that. It's just, will you say yes? All of these people had the chance to say yes. Everyone that followed him had the chance to say yes. The other scripture that we... Um, We've read a little bit, it's from John 7, so let me read that again. Um, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard the saying, said, Truly, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Here is Jesus. Here is the gift of God proclaiming, the living water, the greatest gift that God can give us. And some people see it, and you are the Christ. And some people see a portion, and they at least will say, you are a prophet. We know that you speak the words of God. And others miss him, because it doesn't fit their theology. Okay, and get it, and, and understand that their theology is actually right, but they're misinformed. They don't see the truth. Right? The Christ doesn't come out of Galilee. He obviously comes out of Bethlehem, but so did Jesus. He is the Christ. But it's the theology that stopped him, that stopped him seeing him. A few weeks ago, I, um, I met with some Taylor students um, just for a, a little bit of sharing. And it's always an honor to be, you know, to be a professor and have the chance to just to engage with young men and women. And, um, and about eight or nine guys shared some of their story. And the, and the more I listened, the, 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 the more sad I became. Um, and since the Lord's sadness as well, um, because they all, they all spoke of Jesus as, as God. I almost want to say a God. Like the God they went to church with, the God they knew that they were supposed to worship, the God that they knew they were supposed to believe in. And not a single one of them had ever actually met Jesus. They'd never met him. They never actually experienced his love. They never experienced his joy. They never experienced his Holy Spirit touching them. They never experienced the acceptance of the Father's love. Their lives were defined by striving, trying to be good, trying to be holy, and, and being dry. 
And I was so sad. <laughs> and I had maybe five minutes to speak to them, and I'm, I'm going to have more time next semester, and I'm looking forward to that. And just seeing if the Holy Spirit will meet them. And yeah, don't get me wrong, my, you know, my dad's a priest. I, I grew up in the church. I can't think of a better place to grow up. Church community is amazing. Um, the love that I've experienced and the, the care and the friendships. But Jesus didn't come to make us this pretty cool social club. He came that we would have living water flowing out of us. Um, a, few, a few months ago, I think before this series, I, I talked uh, a little bit about um, Peter's words in Acts 3, which I just I found so curious when he heals the lame man, or when Jesus heals the lame man through him, as Peter later points out, um, to be clear. But th- there's this really strange sentence when he says, yeah, what I have, I give to you. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. And he says later on, when he's talking to the crowd, because they wanted, you know, they're praising Peter and they're praising John, he says, this is not us, this is Jesus. It's by faith in his name that this man was healed. But obviously Peter had an incredible faith, but he also had an incredible amount of the Holy Spirit in him. He had the living water flowing out of him. And we know this, one of, you know, the craziest miracles and one that we talk about in my class occasionally and students will still sit there and shake their heads because it makes no sense to them. But in Acts 5, where it talks about even Peter's shadow touching people and they would be healed. Such was the presence of God that emanated out of this man. And that's crazy. A few weeks ago, I talked about the kind of craziness of the Spirit and how we sometimes put the gift of tongues like on the crazy end, but that's actually like really near the safe end. Like Peter's shadow, that's more near the crazy end. Okay, just God's physical presence in us. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't want us to, I don't want us to strive after miracles, okay? So don't, that's not what I'm saying here. But I do want us to pursue Jesus and to have the, the, the living water of the Spirit flowing out of us so that people, when they come into our church and they come into our orbit, that they will encounter God. And it doesn't have to be the crazy things. But when you read that testimony of, of, of Peter's shadow, you can say, well, that was scripture. Cool, nice, awesome, love it. Or you can say, wow, that's the level of what can, God can do through a man or through a woman. And I want his spirit. I don't think Peter was any better than any person in this room, any more deserving. In fact, quite the opposite. And I think scripture is does that for a reason, that Peter was the one that rejected Jesus. And he's the one that is filled to this measure. And does that start to capture our hearts just a little bit? And I don't know if you pursue Jesus for the next 50 years, if one day you're going to walk down the road and your shadow will heal someone. I don't know. It'll be pretty cool. But I do know that I want to get to heaven and, 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 and have, be able to look at Jesus and say, I tried. I pursued you. The rest is up to you. The rest is up to you. It's like, that's all you. A few, um, a few months ago, um, Joe and I and a few others prayed for a person, and, um, and they were in real need. It was a situation where it wasn't immediately obvious 
it couldn't be immediately obvious whether the Lord had actually done what we prayed for. It wasn't like they were in a wheelchair and they could get out. You know, it was, it was a different sort of issue. And I, and, I, and, I, and I hope and I believe that something shifted. But it was a hard prayer. And as I prayed for this person, I, I, I knew I was praying against generations of hell, basically, having ownership in this person's life, and it was hard. And I know Jesus um, could sort that out. And um, this isn't about trying to work out when Jesus does and what and why. But later the day or the next day, Joe and I went into our barn at home to pray, and, and we both just wept. Because, um, because you, you, walk, you walk against evil and you walk against brokenness and you want Jesus to meet, to meet that need and you want this person to find salvation and to be free. And, um, and that's what this living water is for. And I, I still believe God did something but I do know in my spirit, my spirit wanted to see more. And our, and, our, and our crying was for more of Jesus. Amanda and I had a chat a few days ago um, about the challenge. You know, um, we talk about freedom and strongholds and things like that in this church, and sometimes there's this challenge that we, we, may, we may be concerned that we focus too much you know, internally. Like we can, like I said, become obsessed with sin and things like that. Um, and as I said already, let Jesus expose things that he wants to expose. But there's never, and as your pastor, I give you permission to think this, and if you don't like it, then disagree with me afterwards. But I'd never see a problem with anyone pressing in for more of Jesus. And, and um, to be, selfish is the wrong word because it doesn't apply, but to be passionate about that and pursue, to pursue that. If you spend four hours a day with Jesus and you have one minute in the day where you encounter someone and the Holy Spirit meets them and living water flows out of you and meets a need in that person, then those five hours were an incredible investment. So don't be scared to be on your knees and to be in worship and to press into Jesus and to ask him for that living water to grow. We can't, um, we can't strive our way into love. Which is, I guess, one of the cool things about the Christian faith. We can strive to be religious, we can strive to be holy, we can strive to be sinless, as if that's possible. But we can't strive our way into love. We can encounter love, and we can say yes to love. And we can make opportunities to meet the one that we love. So when I say pursue Jesus, read scripture, worship him, just hang out with him, sit in a hammock, maybe you'll fall asleep, but sit in the hammock and talk to him until you do. It's cold now, so take a good sleeping bag, but 
You get the point. Hang out with him. Give him time. Do for him what you would for the person that might be sitting next to you that you love. You give them attention and you give them time and you speak words of blessing over them. And you declare your love. Sometimes you do acts of service. My wife loves those. I'm not so good at them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Um, my dad grew up um, an atheist but with a mother who was um, a, a, a spiritualist. He then eventually encountered the spiritual realm but basically a spiritualist church is weird. Um, it's basically demonic. Um, in his conversion to knowing Jesus, Jesus met him and talked to him and said to my father that if you were the only person alive on the planet, if you were the only man I created, I would die for you. I would have come and I would die for you. And that was the moment my dad not only came to know Jesus, but con well, decided that he would join the priesthood and left um, a really successful life in business. When you read that scripture that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he gives th this gift of God that we will not perish but have everlasting life. And, then, and that life that starts now with this living water, that he died for you, for each individual in the room. God so loved us that he gave his only son. So like I said, I, I, I just wanted to say some things that I've preached on already, so forgive me, but things I felt the Lord wanting to emphasize. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of homework, easy homework, okay? And this includes those who aren't coming back next week, so you, you don't get out of this, Okay. So next week, we're going to talk about the gift of God. We're going to talk about Jesus. Easy homework, okay? Super easy homework. Um, I want you to come to church ready to say what Jesus is to you, okay? So this can be personal, but I would, what I'd also really like is for you to come ready to say something that Jesus actually said about himself, so you really, really, really know the promise is true. What is this gift that God has given us? I want us to be soaked in knowledge of the gift, that we can't escape it. We can't escape the glory and the wonder of it. Okay, so that's your homework. I'll pick on a few of you, so come prepared. Ryan? Okay. Um, second thing. We can talk about living water, and we can talk about miracles, and we can talk about Peter's shadow and these really crazy things. Um, but starting to live out of this living water starts with the really simple. Adina, I know you had a really fun little encounter with someone at Walmart yesterday. That was just a yeah, cool little moment of God just showing up and introducing you to someone. Um, Probably the simplest testimony I can give of someone being rocked 
was standing in an English church with two men who were very English. One who hardly said anything any time anyway because he liked to be in forests alone. And he was about 6'5", just an enormous man. And this new Christian came to church, another Englishman who, if you know anything about Englishmen, they have no idea how to share emotion at all in general. And this guy had been in the church once. And this huge guy, my friend David, walked up to him. And I never heard David say anything really positive about anyone. He just, you know, if he said anything at all. But he walked up to this guy and he just spoke a word of blessing. And it was so simple, but it was so weird because he, he said, you are a beautiful man. I almost fell over. And the guy that he said it to literally almost did fall over. He, he actually had to grab the pew to keep himself from falling over. He was so astonished that someone spoke life. And I think because it was Dave, and because the Lord had said, I want you to say this, and he was obedient, that it had a huge authority coming from this huge man. This word that you would expect towards a woman, you know, you, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful man. And in that moment, this guy knew that God saw him, and he was loved. It was amazing. So your second bit of homework Okay, and we're going to pray now. Your second bit of homework is to get a word of blessing for someone in the church. Okay. And that it doesn't have to be your wife. But, um, but maybe it should be. Okay, <laughs> like, you, that's your call. That's your call. Um, so, Tyler, do you want to come and, and, and just play something first while we pray? I'm just going to give you like a minute. Okay. And Tyler's going to... Going to strum away. Um, thanks, man. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Jesus says he is the gift of God. If we believe in him, he gives us living water that flows out. John tells us that living water is his spirit. We have his spirit. We have the ability to hear his voice. So ask him. Okay. It's going to be like a minute. And then I've got one other thing I want to pray about. Okay. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you that you're already here. Lord, I know that our, our words have power because you gave us authority by your death and by your resurrection and by your spirit living in us. So Lord, would you give us words to speak? Would you give us words of life and blessing to speak to each other? Would you come now, Lord? So God may give you a fresh word. He may give you scripture to speak over someone. Just listen. See.